The blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. Talking Back. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I am your host Tim, and with me today in studio is the Star Trek crew, Terry and Jay. Gentlemen. Hey Tim, how's it going? Hey Tim, good to be here. Thank you for coming. Always. Always. Now, guys, it's um, we're just at the end of our Halloween month here. And this one is actually coming in a couple days after Halloween. But we still wanted to have a little bit of like a Halloween hangover here at Talking Back. <laughs> so we wanted to sneak in a little bit of Star Trek and a Star Trek that might be a little bit spooky. Ooh. Are you guys scared? Okay. Always. Terry, you, you were covering your eyes for most of this episode. I was. So. <laughs> I know you're frightened. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do something that I didn't think might ever happen on the podcast. Definitely not this soon. Is that we're talking about a Star Trek Enterprise episode. Well, already things are spooky and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did yeah. that happen? What happened? Did I block we're, out we're one on day and you guys filled in the calendar for this one? Like, what, what in the hell is going on here? I texted the, the message and uh, I surprised you surprised me with a yes. So, Terry, I know you're a fan of this season or the series mm-hmm. about Enterprise. I am not. What is it about this series that you like so much? Um... Well, one thing I do like is they go throughout the seasons, um, the different things that made uh, Starfleet, Starfleet, like the Red Alert comes from this, uh, um, the first transporters use uh, in Star Trek. is So I like seeing how everything grew to be what it is. And then I found um, by about season two, the storyline started getting better. And season three had a storyline that takes the whole season. And it just, it was my favorite season of probably any Star Trek, so... Right, so that is a good point. Chronologically, this is the first like Star Trek uh, series. Yes. Um, even though it was the one of the later ones to come out, it, it is chronologically the first. So you do get to see a lot of the stuff going on in the series that we take for granted, but they're just learning, and they don't even have like really great capabilities. And like I know the replicator uh, is kind of only just a fraction of what we're used to. It yeah. can't really make like full meals or anything. It can make like get you like coffee or something like that but um yeah okay that makes sense that makes sense i for me the long storylines was something i didn't like out of star trek so like enterprise had some really 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 long arcs and i just lost i lost interest in them Mm -hmm. and i think that's my beef with that that's a little bit of my beef with ds9 as well is some of their longer arcs i just i didn't stay interested as much as the shorter stuff Maybe um, I have trouble concentrating mm-hmm. or following along. It all depends on what you're looking for in a show. So some shows like uh, Game of Thrones and whatnot, they're meant to be long arcs, right? And other shows that are just episode-based with just a little bit of tie-in between the episodes of, of story development, um, they're meant to be episode arcs. So some people don't want a, a long arc in an episode-based show, which Star Trek has no- normally been. So uh, I get that. Um, for whatever reason, it just I was just drawn to Enterprises season three, especially. Uh, that's the, that's the only standalone uh, season that does a full story. Um, the rest are two, three episodes at a time. Yeah, and you, you gotta you gotta give them a little bit of credit for wanting to try a different formula, trying something a little bit new. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it divided fans as extremely as we think, but I I mean. I don't know why mess with a familiar formula. I get it, but uh, props to them for at least trying something different. Well, are you a fan, Jay? Are you a fan of Enterprise? I'm on the fence. You're on I, the fence, okay. I, I appreciate what they're doing. I Visually, it looked great. I, I, I agree with Terry. I like seeing where a lot of our uh, Star Trek lore and everything came from and where it originated. Um, and maybe, maybe I would have appreciated more 
if it went on longer and I got to know the characters more and got more invested, then you can go back and rewatch and, you know, like what we do with Next Gen and Voyager. And, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I can see both sides of, uh, of this. Enterprise came out at a strange time. Uh, so Next Gen was a huge success. Uh, Deep Space Nine was a moderate. Uh, Voyager was a huge success. And then I remember watching all of those very um, predominantly uh, as a teenager. And then by the time uh, Enterprise came out, I'd kind of gotten burnt out on Star Trek for a bit. And so there's about a five-year time that I didn't really watch Star Trek. I didn't really watch that much of anything. And that would happen to be there. So uh, ratings were never good for the show. And uh, um, I remember Maxim putting out a little article saying the best shows you're not watching. And, mm. and Enterprise is one of the top ones. So uh, I think it just missed a lot of fans for whatever reason. And Yeah, I mean... Typically, the Star uh, Star Trek um, series are like seven seasons. So, mm-hmm. Next Gen, Voyager, DS Nine are all seven. The original was three, uh, and then this one was three, uh, or Enterprise was three. So, I think the original was ahead of its time, and mm-hmm. this one, I don't know, maybe just hit at the wrong time. But I don't. I mean, for me, I don't know when it could hit that I would enjoy it. But <laughs> there, you know, I don't know. There were there's there are a few good episodes for me that I really enjoyed. And, um, this is one of them. This mm-hmm. is uh one we're going to do. This is our little bit of the Halloween hangover. I thought this might be fun because this, this was a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a spookier episode. Uh, Terry, we kind of had our paths crossed a little bit where you and I thought we were talking about the same episode, mm-hmm. but we weren't. Mm-hmm. And this is what got chosen for this um kind of like this this spooky episode now while it is a little bit spooky because it involves the borg this is not actually what you were thinking we were going to do you were you had another one in mind um that we'll probably cover uh at a later date uh maybe next halloween correct but But this one still fits this one still works with with uh and this is the superior episode i think uh between the two i'm gonna have to rewatch the other one but this one is uh very fine. Episode. There were two. After watching it all, there were two episodes that really stuck out in my mind. This was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one, uh, another time travel <clears> one um, involving, I don't know, I remember baseball or something like that going on. It's really, it was it was excellent. Well, I'd like to v- revisit that. Baseball is pretty terrifying, Tim. <laughs> I didn't say it was a spooky one. It's just one that I liked. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, this guy doesn't like baseball, eh? <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were going to come on here and start ripping on baseball. <laughs> Our American viewership. Is <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. Okay, well, let's get our formalities out of the way. Uh, it is Stardate 74256.2. And I think everybody uh, listening by this point knows that Jay has a badass Star Trek tattoo. So we can just <laughs> point that out again. Now, as mentioned, we're doing Star Trek Enterprise is the series. And the episode is called Regeneration from 2003. It is Season 2, Episode 23. Now, the director is David Livingston. You guys heard of him? No. I heard of Ron Livingston, but... uh... I hadn't heard of this guy either, but he holds the record for the most episodes of Star Trek directed. Really? Hmm. Yeah, across Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, and Enterprise, he's directed 62 episodes. Wow. I'm surprised the name wasn't familiar then. Yeah, me too. That's odd. You'd think you'd come across yeah. his name somewhere for that reason. Mm-hmm. But even when I was trying to figure out who directed the most episodes, I struggled to find anywhere that would even name the person. So, um, but I, I was able to count through it on a book who every episode. Well, by... it, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Cause I, I really, well, I don't want to get in, maybe we can get into it later, but this episode pays good tribute to, to Star Trek. Like it, it doesn't, it respects, mm-hmm. Uh, you can edit this out. Oh, no, we can I'm, get it. I'm totally like we can get into it. Here. We can get into it right now. That's uh, the very sure. next thing I want to talk about. Okay. Is because the, let's say the background mm-hmm. for this episode is that this is like a sequel to the 1996 movie First Contact. Mm-hmm. Now, would one of you like to explain like very very high level what went on in First Contact? Or I can if you don't want to. Uh, starter up, I'll add. Uh, so, it's been a few okay. years since. Okay, so I mean, at the very high level, I mean, everybody, you know, any Star Trek fan knows that uh, the story of Zephram Cochran, mm-hmm. and he was the person who discovered warp travel on Earth, 
And that kind of propelled the humans into the space race, right? Mm -hmm. After he found, um, he, he figured uh, the warp engine out, the Vulcans came down, made first contact, and then Starfleet gets ramped up because of that and, and all that stuff. So yes. um, what the first contact is about is about the Borg coming back in time from the future, trying to kill Zephram Cochran um, and destroy Earth if they can, but essentially kill him so that he doesn't build this engine and so that they like the humans they it's us it's us guys. Mm -hmm. we are the humans <laughs> in this scenario so that the humans don't go into like space yeah right so there was a time limit so the vulcans didn't uh there was a window where the it just by luck they vulcans met up with zephyr and cochran on that movie there and uh um if they missed that window it might the first contact might not have happened. Oh, was there a window? Yeah, yeah. The Vulcans were in space at somewhere near Jupiter or Saturn or whatever it is, and uh, for a couple hours, and it just so happened, or maybe a couple days, just so happened, Zephyrin Cochrane does his uh, his his inaugural flight um, with or without the Borg as as part of the storyline, does it, and uh, just at the same time as the Vulcans, and they catch him on the on their scanners and they realize now they're a warp civilization oh, okay. and then they come and say first have first contact you don't actually know that until the end of the movie i forgot so that i forgot the movie i saw that one a long saw that one a long time ago but i was in my mind i always just pictured like the vulcan sitting on the moon with like vulcan binoculars <laughs> just like watching they're like he's about to he's about to break the formula he's oh, about to he get it up. he got it let's go let's go <laughs> bring down the shuttle oh man uh but yeah that's like that's basically the story of uh, First Contact, um, how how that whole invasion by the Borg was stopped was that in the future, uh, the Star Trek Enterprise with Jean-Luc Picard was able to follow the Borg back through time and destroy the ship back at, at the time where Zephyr mm -hmm. Cochran was doing his thing. Yeah, the Borg sphere. There was a, yeah, there was two. There was a Borg cube that they chased back. And then once the Borg cube got destroyed, it launched, uh, it launched a Borg sphere. Mm -hmm. And then they destroyed the sphere as well. And a chunk of the sphere went flying to Earth to the Arctic Circle. And that is the chunk of Borg sphere that we find in this episode. Mm -hmm. So the episode starts off and we're in a snowstorm in the Arctic Circle of Canada. And the year is 2153. Now, this is basically 90 years after that debris crashed on Earth. And a small shuttle lands in the Arctic, and a crew of three come out and start investigating. Okay. Now, this is not the Enterprise crew. This is just like uh, three scientists from something called the Earth Science Institute. They're just uh, tasked with like checking out whatever they found. They finally found something, and they are going to check it out. One of the crew finds something buried in the ice, and it looks a lot like a Borg. Spoiler alert, we already said this episode was about Borg, so <laughs> nobody's too surprised right now. And then the worst theme song in the history of television kicks in. <laughs> Let's put it on right now. Yeah, you, yeah you got to hear a little I'll bit. I'll throw it in yeah. um, right here so that everybody can feel the pain. Put the season one and two version on. It's slower and more, uh, more enjoyable for you, Tim. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And I'm not gonna hold it down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind I watched this entire series, and I don't think I listened to that intro all the way through a single time. <laughs> Terry, I know you'd like to put it on repeat if you could. Uh, I, I phoned your phone and put it on your voicemail. <laughs> I did yeah, so. get some voice messages with just that playing, and I was very, very offended. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, uh, whenever Terry and I would watch episodes, we'd uh, we'd just leave voicemails on Tim's phone with just the music, and it, it was a guilty pleasure to do. We knew it drive, drove him crazy. Funny story is you almost talked me out of ever watching Enterprise because of the theme song. <laughs> yeah, I think it worked on a lot of people. Probably yeah. the main reason it got canceled. 
It wasn't a good theme song for it. No. Now, this crew of three, they say that the thing in the ice looks humanoid, but they don't recognize the species. Right? Now, that makes sense because no, they haven't seen the Borg yet. Mm-hmm. Now, they quickly find another one. This dude's frozen on the surface. He's not under the ice. And uh, they've obviously made a discovery here. So they set up a camp and they start messing around with these two Borg that they found. And, like, at this point in the episode, I'm really excited because we know that the humans have no defense for the Borg, but they don't know what they've found yet. And, like, these idiots are disassembling the Borg, right? And they're all, like, nerding out about the Borg technology. They're just like, this is so cool. Like, look Mm -hmm. what this thing can do and yada, yada. And, like, we know this is obviously going to end badly for them, right? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, One of the – one of they've taken the – arm of a Borg off and it's just like sitting there and then it just randomly starts up all by itself. Mm-hmm. That was a scary moment. And the scientists discover that there's some sort of nanotechnology that the Borg have and they're being regenerated. Like their bodies and their components are regenerating. Mm-hmm. Now they make the classic bad call here to keep letting them regenerate instead of putting them back on ice. Yeah. The, the blonde dude is like, no, let's put them back on ice and uh, we'll do this in a, in a more safe location with a proper protocol. And the, the, the browner guy's like, no, nah, it'll be okay. Yeah. He's like, why, why do we have any reason to think they're hostile? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like this dude's got a claw as a hand, yeah. you know, uh, maybe that's a giveaway. That's one, one yeah. place to start. There's many other you know, indicators. In their, in their defense, they thought they were dead. And even with the nanobots, they didn't think they were going to come back to life. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Safety first though, guys. Safety yeah. first here. Mm-hmm. Put those fuckers back on ice is what I say. <laughs> Incinerate them. Yeah, exactly. Incinerate them. Um, what I like about this episode is is what you like about the series, Terry. It's like um, kind of watching them, uh, watching like the crew work their way through these like um, f- almost first time scenarios, mm-hmm. and uh, like they have this uh, technology that's not quite as advanced. And in this episode, since they are seeing the Borg for the first time we're we're getting to watch them slowly figure out the different details about the Borg. So they start to figure out the physical capabilities of the, of the Borg. Like they, they discovered the nanotechnologies one, they discover like a warp signature from the wreckage. Then they figure out that the wreckage used to be um, a perfect, a perfect sphere. Like the, mm-hmm. the ship that it came from used to be a perfect sphere. And um, it starts to feel like as they're, as the humans are like uncovering things about the Borg and the Borg are slowly regenerating, it starts to feel like there's a bit of a race going on of what's going to happen first. Are the humans going to discover enough about the Borg that they'll realize they're a major threat mm-hmm. or are the, the Borg going to fully regenerate and, you know, assimilate the crew? So I was really enjoying kind of that race aspect, but also that we we forget what um like a, a race might uh what they might do encountering a species mm-hmm. like the borg without knowing anything about them so it was fun to watch almost like an origin story here for this group of people with the borg yeah so they thought the scientists i think thought they had found a puppy dog and they found discovered it was a shark you know like uh they didn't know what to expect and they got bit in in as in a, general. As a megalodon at that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's it's a fun like little race that's going on, but of course the Borg wake up first and win the race, mm-hmm. right? And then we finally see Starfleet for the first time, and we learn that the crew from the Arctic has been unresponsive for three days. They were supposed to check in, and they didn't. So they want to send out some people to go check on them. And this was really weird to me. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like this this dude comes to an admiral and he says, "Admiral, like that, we, this this mm-hmm. this uh, Arctic team's been unresponsive," and he's like, "Well, we need to go." F- Send someone to figure out what's going on. And then the next scene, that fucking Admiral is in there with them. Like, yeah. he's one of the four crew members in a small shuttle who's decided to go and check out this scene. But isn't That's that, what Admirals do. Yeah, but isn't that a Star Trek thing to do? Let's put yeah. our most valuable crew <laughs> yeah. on away missions. Like, isn't... I suppose, yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't know that the... They didn't know yet that the, the crew had gotten killed by some alien creatures. Um, they just thought that they're un, unresponsive. And it takes... I'm guessing the, the shuttle pod takes literally five minutes to get to the Arctic. So it, it's it'd true. be like... Jumping in the ca- taxi and going a mile down the road. But you know what? So, uh, Back then, 
they sent admirals on away missions. Well, and there is only it, one admiral. This on is the back show, in so. the past, right? So yeah. I mean, yeah, they learned. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Well, it worked out fine for them. There were there were no issues. But yeah, I just I was like, don't send your yeah, don't send like your number one guy out into the yeah. Arctic for first of all, he's probably not going to want to go to the Arctic. Yeah. You know, he was the first to volunteer. He's like, we got to go now. Yeah, he and really yeah. needed something to do. That yeah, maybe yeah, he's, he's bored. bored. Yeah. yeah, tired of being in the office. Well, we are now on board the Enterprise. And the Admiral has provided Captain Archer and his crew the intel that they found at that Arctic base. So all the, all the information and research that the team had collected, the uh, Admiral now has and passed it on to Enterprise. And the Enterprise crew, since this is our first like delve into uh, that series, it's your classic like Starship complement, right? They're all, all the series are pretty much the same but you have your captain you've got your first officer you've got your doctor your security officer your pilot your communications officer and your chief engineer now captain archer and the enterprise crew are tasked with tracking down a transport that the borg stole and the missing research team Mm -hmm. they're in charge of that so that is a shitty gig to get (laughs) (laughs) They They don't know it yet. They (laughs) lucked out. They flew right by them. They don't know it, but it's not a good one. You know what was a good gig? It was the Admiral's gig. (laughs) Just, you know. He got the Arctic. Fly to the Arctic, you know, for half a day, stay a couple days, go skiing, head back. Yeah, have a, you know, hot tub out in the the cold. Polar bear swim. Polar bear swim, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some Canadian whiskey. What else? S'mores. Do they have s'mores in Star Trek? Well, they just use a phaser. <laughs> yeah, you could warm it with your phaser. Yeah, I'm just sitting here, like, thinking, like, oh, that would be kind of cool. Like, yeah. Well, they yeah. can't replicate them. No. That replicator barely makes coffee. Set your phaser to s'more. Stun <laughs> 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 uh, like is too weak, and, and, and uh, kill is, uh, incinerates it. <laughs> s'more. <laughs> s'more in the middle. <laughs> That would be something on Spaceballs. They have a, a s'more setting on their phaser. <laughs> so Archer and the crew, they start to follow the warp signature from the transport. And I, I did notice that this episode had very, very creepy and ominous music, which was uh, pretty was pretty neat. I thought the music was particularly good in this episode. It really was. Because it really suited the the mood of the show, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's a little bit mysterious, it's a little bit scary, but it's not your typical Star Trek music at no, all. No, it had a it had a, um, a suspenseful, uh, energetic tone to it. The the parts I'm thinking of. I did read at uh, the uh, the intro of the show, they actually did play a little bit of the music from the First Contact movie oh. to kind of like uh, build up the show for the Uber nerds. Yeah. Which I was not among. I have to but say, I did research it and figure it out. I gotta say, um, when I first watched this episode, I hadn't watched First Contact in a couple of years. I knew it pretty well, the movie. And then when they show the 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 polar ice cap there, I'm like, wait a second, are they showing that? And then when I spotted the Borg, I'm like, they are showing that. And we've talked about it in the past a bunch of times. How Star Trek writers do such a fantastic job of having a uh, a past idea floating around that uh, it was open ended, and then or maybe not even open ended, just thought forgotten about, and bringing it back to life into another story. And this is probably one of the best examples of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the you know whenever you have the Borg, there's always a a feeling of dread associated oh, yeah. oh, 100%, with the Borg. And yeah. and in this particular episode, it's the first time humanity has encountered the Borg, so it makes sense that the the score, the music, everything kind of suits that dreaded feel that mm-hmm. uh you know we'll go into it a little bit more but almost horrific so the yeah. entire time they they they're thawing out the borg there i'm like don't do it don't do <laughs> oh, it oh i know right and if they just listen to the blonde dude because i just i just rewatched the episode and the blonde dude's like well we should put him back on ice and the other guy's like nah it'll yeah, be okay it'll be fine and then like this whole episode when that happened uh they would have had proper security and uh incinerated them after they tried to attack you know but, yeah but it wouldn't have made for a very good episode either so well yeah that uh that one guy he was an idiot <laughs> he was he was an idiot he's like he took one of their arms off, right? Yeah. And it's, it started to move. And it's doing a And then he's like, thing. no, everything's fine. Like, well, first of all, what if this dude does wake up and sees his arm over there? Mm-hmm. Like, he's... Even if they're not hostile, they'll probably become hostile now. Yeah, they sure look hostile. They sure as hell look hostile. Yeah. You couldn't possibly look more hostile than a boar. <laughs> no, no. Like, my goodness. Like the devil, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so... 
Enterfi- Enterprise. <laughs> I'd like a cheeseburger and a side of Enterprise, please. <laughs> they should make it for the sonic shake. <laughs> uh, Enterprise finds a distress call from a ship claiming to be under attack from an unknown species. So that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who the Borg are in this quadrant, yeah, right? right? It's neat. Um, Enterprise is quickly on the scene where they see this transport that the Borg have stolen, and it's cutting a section out of this other ship with a green laser, which is is pretty cool, because I know in, uh, I think it was in First Contact, um, they kind of showed us that the Borg would actually cut entire sections out of ships and take entire sections. Hmm. Um, So it was a neat thing. I noticed like it didn't look like it was, um, in in this episode, it didn't look like it was firing a laser on the ship. It was definitely like cutting something out, which is like, such a Borg thing to do, right? Like, why why destroy this when we can just cut a giant part out, yeah. add that to our ship, and let's just keep on going. What I find fantastic is, as far as I remember, the crew on that uh, new Borg ship has three people. The three people from the science team. So On the all, transport? Yeah, I thought that that's all they had at that point, right? Um, okay, so you start off with the two Borg yep. who were found oh, in yeah. the ice, and then you've got the three uh, Arctic scientists team. So, so you've five. got five. And then we find out a little bit later that there were, I guess, 24 people oh, okay. added from this ship that they were dissecting. Okay, I was going to say, they made good time for only a handful of people, but uh, I guess right. they had two dozen or so. We'll, we'll hit it in a little bit, but uh, it, we do get told that there's 29 people on the transport. Okay. Okay. So, um, the transport's not supposed to be armed, but the Borg have made some upgrades. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> right? see that coming. Yeah. First order of business, get some weapons on this thing. <laughs> now, the transport goes to warp, and Captain Archer won't follow because there's still two life signs left aboard <laughs> the ship in distress. Right? Uh, hindsight. Yep. Got to save those. That's what a captain does. Okay, everybody? They save lives. Mm-hmm. So they bring these two crew aboard. And it looks like they're being assimilated. Like, we know what assimilation looks like, right? Like, your skin starts to kind of, like, turn into, like, a dark green. And, like, it's the nanoprobes underneath, like, taking over your body. But we know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. These people don't know what's going on. Now, Dr. Phlox, he doesn't think that um, any of this poses them any harm. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Nobody seems. It's like everybody's so polite. Yeah. In this in this show, like There's nobody's worried about anything. Harmful. It's like evil doesn't exist yet, or something. Yeah. Here, uh, these are all like terrifying well, things. Starfleet's be... very optimistic in in their mentality. They are. Yeah. They're always hoping for the best, and uh, uh, this this series is not different than that. Right. So uh, Captain Archer, he he does some research and he pulls up a speech from Zephram Cochran. And it's about how cybernetic organisms attacked him and his ship, but he apparently later withdrew those comments. Mm-hmm. So this is new to us, I believe, that there, like what it looks like is there was some sort of a conspiracy that took place to hide the fact that this Borg attack ever happened, mm-hmm. right? I thought that was really interesting. This was a great detail. Yeah. yeah it was it a really was. nice detail. And um to Paul says that he was a well-known drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> take take what he says with a grain of salt. Yeah. But he uh, telling stories anyway. So. I, I liked it. Uh, unlike anybody else in this episode, Captain Archer thinks that something more serious could actually be going on and is not taking anything for granted. So he's already like suspicious about these um, these mm-hmm. Borg and he's not going to risk anything. Yeah. we got to keep remembering we as the audience have seen Borg dozens yeah. of times. But the, the characters within have never seen them. So that's, they have no idea that anything's as terrible as it is. That's why this was so much fun for me. It's because ex- that exact thing. Like, I know about the Borg. Um, I know how people react when they see the Borg. Like, if you're watching Janeway in, Ender, or if you're watching Janeway in Voyager encounter a Borg, it's just like, uh, like whatever, Tuvok will say, like, I, I pit, I've picking up Borg life signs. And it's like, boom, red alert. Like everybody, like load the torpedo bay, everybody, you know, on guard. Yeah. That's how they react because they know about the Borg. To, to see people react like this is hilarious. It's just like, yeah. they're fine. Yeah. You know? Everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Yeah. It's like landing on the desert or in the, in the 
Australian outback there and seeing a, a poisonous snake for the yeah. first time. Oh, hi, Yeah, kitty, pick kitty. it up. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Look how cute it is. <laughs> that hissing is so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Look at those sharp teeth that will never bite me. Oh, <laughs> oh, ow. Oh, I'm being assimilated. <laughs> yeah, stop that. <laughs> yeah, stop that. That's rude. You silly snake. <laughs> so these two crew members that were left over and Archer saved... They wake up and they uh, are aggressive. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And they hit, <laughs> they hit Dr. Flocks with their assimil- assimilation tubules. <laughs> right? That's fucking shitty. <laughs> I've, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Dr. Flocks. I, like, like I mean, Flox. you know this. Yeah. I, I, it's because of that big smile. I hate his smile. I, his, his name sounds like... Anyway, but it's... <laughs> When that happened, I just, I smiled and laughed. I was yeah. the other way around. I'm like, I genuinely like, like the character. I'm like, oh no, don't write him off. And then... yeah. yeah. People are starting to get what they deserve for their, like, being so complacent and all this. The hubris of it all. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't look, that doesn't look very good for him because. Um, it's a not, death sentence. It's a, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Not, not many people know how to turn around, um, you know, the nanoprobes being injected into your body and starting to assimilate you. That's yeah. not not normally something that people can come back from. <laughs> I don't think we've seen it very often. I don't know, maybe once or twice or something like that. But it's not mm-hmm. it's not something that really happens very often. Uh, well, let's see if Flocks can do it, though. What do you think? Do we lose our doctor in season two? I want to keep my mouth. I hope so. Yeah, Jan, <laughs> no, I hope so. <laughs> I'm betting against Jay. But did he try? Did he try? Did, did he try? To get, like, to get assimilated? No, like... Like once he got the nanoprobes injected in him, unless you're gonna talk about, it, I don't know. But it, like, did he? Yeah, we'll get there. Did he try? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah, did you watch the episode? I did. I, I did. I remember him talking about, you know, someone has to, to feed, someone has to feed my animals, and like, it just, it was just, it felt like he was giving up. I love Fox. <laughs> he, I think he didn't he know didn't what to give do. Up. At that point, he didn't know what to He's do. Like, he was not confused. Like, so wrong, Kerold. Kerold. Well, uh, here's the interesting thing: is. Um, I think at that point, Jay, he was a bit defeated and he, he gets into it a little bit later, but he's talking about how he was looking at the nanoprobes from the um, position of a physician mm-hmm. and he he didn't know how to counteract um, this, this virus, which he was looking at it as a virus. And then he said yeah. in the episode, he started to look at it from not the... Um, like the point of view of a, of a doctor, but of an engineer, mm-hmm. because this is like a mechanical uh, thing that's attacking your body. And he said, once he looked at that, then he was able to start coming up with some ideas about how to counteract it. Yep. And he ended up coming up with uh, a plan to kind of like beat it on a, on a mechanical level. And that was to use, uh, he was going to use Omicron particles, particles All right. uh, yeah, yeah. to like um, destroy them. And he, yep. he, he did some different radiation tests and that was the one that worked. Um, so I think, I think early on he's kind of defeated, just like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Feed my, like, what has he got? Like some sort of slugs or something like that? Feed my slugs the lettuce they need and uh, I'll be here if you need me. (laughs) Yeah. Jay's rooting on his death. uh... Yeah. Maybe that's all it was. I was just rooting for, for him to just fall. But anyway. So these two, um, crew that were saved and are now Borg, they start taking over the ship. They start taking over Enterprise. Assholes. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do. That's how they... Uh... It, yeah, it, it was actually really interesting the way they did that because in previous versions, when you'd get assimilated by the Borg, that nanotechnology just popped out of your face and stuff started growing all over you. And Whereas here, they really presented it like it was a virus, like it was, you know, a mm-hmm. zombie film, someone getting bitten and going off and doing their thing because you never really saw a transformation early on. They The, the crewmen were just... All of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, crazy and just you know mm. going. That's a good point. Yeah, people, it was right? like, it was almost yeah. like a, a middle ground where we see the people before they get assimilated and then after. And like once you're fully assimilated, you're you're kind of like the slow walking zombie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. these those two crew members when they got assimilated, they were like the fast moving zombies, mm-hmm. right? They were like yeah. moving around really quick, like being very aggressive and fighting, and like you know. Yeah, so it was it was interesting to see that side of assimilation because we've never seen it before. It was always yeah. you get assimilated. You're laying on the ground, machines start popping up, they start doing experiments on you and adding parts, but uh, I've never fully seen the the infestation of a simulation yeah, before. That's true. And uh, another thing, too, is like it's clear with different um, like alien 
physiology that these nanoprobes can have a different effect on you, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it might, it might, uh, your change might be different than someone else. This is one of the reasons why Phlox said he was able to survive for so long because he got assimilated or he got the, uh, the nanoprobes injected into him, but he didn't show signs for, mm-hmm. I don't even think the whole episode he didn't show signs. Well, there's Just one, there's yeah. one time His where he shows some signs mm-hmm. that something's happening, but, um, some people, they get like the, uh, they get the nanoprobes and immediately they're, uh, like their, their, their body starts to change. Like yeah. things, like you said, Terry, things will pop out and like, it's like the nanoprobes are like re, uh, like resequencing you and, and creating things and your mm-hmm. skin, cho- skin color starts to change. So, yeah. um, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, that's one of the ways that these aliens reacted to the nanoprobes was like, mm-hmm. go crazy or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. Spe- I can accept that for sure. Speaking of when we were talking about sounds and the music and that, um, I think one thing that did it well, um, music and sound always has such a, a heavy impact on a, on a show. So if we're going into the Halloween overall feel, um, the dark, spooky, kind of creepy thing, they did a good job with this. Flock started to hear the voices. Yeah, that was, that was the, the later on. little muttering there. That, well, that was the one, that was the one thing that. Uh, the one sign that he showed of mm-hmm. being assimilated was yeah. he started to hear the collective. He started to yeah. hear the voices of all the collective. And then the the sound has a as a uh, we don't always recognize what it's doing to our our viewing and our, our understanding of a show. But uh, the right sound at the right time can change the impact of a, of, a, yeah. of oh, an episode. I've got something for you then, Terry. <clears throat> I got something in here somewhere. Listeners, Tim is uh, right now turning around, looking in a bin. <laughs> Digging through a bunch of bunch of stuff. Oh, oh, that thing's awesome. Freedom is irrelevant. Self determination is irrelevant. You must comply. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you should keep that out here just for this episode. Okay. Uh, wasn't that the Christmas thing? That uh, wasn't it part of that Christmas thing I got you guys? Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, my yeah. little board cube. Yeah, yeah, got a little yeah, board yeah, cube yeah, that, that does some voices. Christmas, remember, we did the Christmas Trekmas, which we got yes, again. By yes, way. yes. I have this in a drawer, and I'll oftentimes bump the drawer, and then the Borgs start talking to me <laughs> from inside the drawer. I'm like, wait, wait the fuck settle down, Borg. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. The two Borg now are taking over the ship, and Archer and the crew are able to locate this transport again. Uh, they've been following it, and they've, they've located it, and it's supposed to have a uh, top speed of warp one. <laughs> but with the Borg enhancements, they've already upgraded it to warp 4.8. <laughs> oh, so the max of Those pesky Borg, eh? Yeah. In 12 hours, mind you. Yeah, they're just like completely upgrading the ship. Give them a week ship. and you can learn how to transport or you can learn how to fly at like warp 30 by the time you're done with them. Really? Yeah. What do they use? They use that transwarp, right? Which yeah, is yeah like, the transwarp hub. I can't remember how much faster than the speed of light it is, but it's a lot faster. Uh, the two Borg on Enterprise, though, can't be stopped. So the whole crew can't stop these two Borg. They're making all sorts of modifications. Mm-hmm. They're changing the way the ship's looking. They're changing systems. They're and fucking shit up. Like, we're about to get taken over here. There's only one thing left to do, and Archer figures out that he can blow them out an escape hatch into the cold, dark embrace of space. Poor little bird. Borg. And he Borg. actually hesitates on it. He's like... He doesn't want to do it for some reason. Well, he's seeing it's... he's seeing them as human still. He yeah, doesn't understand. Humanoid, he doesn't yeah. understand what nobody understands what Borg is. Yeah. But uh, Jay, don't worry. Don't be sad. No. Because we already know that the Borg can freeze and survive. Oh yeah. Right. So they're just floating they... out there waiting for someone to pick them up. Because they Unless came they from the Arctic. That's right. Unless they <laughs> fall into a sun somewhere. Yeah. Some random, you know, ship is going <clears> to <throat> pick them up. I want to make a, a comment about, about the act of, of, of shooting them into uh, space. Yeah. If you watch the Borg fly out into space, because uh, um, uh, the captain says to uh, to Paul, it's like, what's in that area? Well, there's a there's a, a port a portal like a, a doorway, like to 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 get out onto the ship, right? And so you said, okay, and he gives the orders to for Malcolm and that to clear out of the area so they can lock it down, and then they launch them out of there. You look at the ship, there's only one door on the entire outside of the ship, and it's right where Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Very well, convenient. Yeah. I'm like, oh, aren't they lucky? <laughs> yeah. So, Terry, this is where T'Pol tells us that there are 29 life forms okay. on that transport, and that they should all be destroyed. Right? And Archer... Like, yeah, yeah, someone's finally wising up. Archer, though, he wants them all to be able to go home. <laughs> so he <laughs> won't do it. He won't do it. Um, yeah, and uh, Enterprise, again, has, has, has caught up with this transport. 
And the transport at this point looks so fucking cool. It's like 60% larger than it was before. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of like cool green lights coming off it. Mm -hmm. Like it does not, it looks like a warship now. (laughs) It's like so, it was so neat. Borg modifications always look awesome on television. Even when they start modifying Voyager, like turn Voyager into a warship. Like it it just looks cool. Yeah. So uh, Enterprise uh, has caught up. The transport drops out of warp and sends over some sort of a signal that ends up turning on all those modifications that those other two Borg were making. And then the Borg send over their classic greeting of uh, you will be assimilated, resistance is futile. Mm -hmm. It's classic. And um, they start attacking um, Enterprise. They start they start attacking them, right? Trying to destroy You didn't them. see that coming though, did you? Yeah, right. <laughs> that sounded like the Borg. So Archer and Malcolm, who's chief of security, they beam over to the transport and they want to detonate some explosives on the EPS manifold. Now, meanwhile, uh, we talked about this. Phlox starts hearing these voices in his head and decides to quickly <laughs> progress with the radiation treatment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he was putting it off. Just like, I don't know, maybe I'll wait a little. I'll while. do that. At, I don't know. I've got some stuff to do. Maybe I'll do that at <laughs> eight o'clock tonight. Again. Yeah. yeah. So he quickly jumps into his, uh, his radiation tube. I got a, I got a, a joke that popped in my head right when he jumped in there. I'm like, wait a second. He's in the armory. They're going to launch his ass out of space. <laughs> oh yeah. He climbed into a torpedo tube or something. <laughs> like accident. Torpedo tube. That was my first thought when I, when he goes in there, like, Oh, his, his solution isn't as good as I thought it was. That's what you got to do. You got to fight the Borg with the Borg, right? Just yeah, send a, lots of send an send a, a nano, a nanoprobe <laughs> uh, torpedo at them. So, um, we're aboard the transport now with, uh, Archer and Malcolm and it's all black and green, and there's some lights flashing, and there's no one around. There's never anybody around in the Borgshire, <laughs> no. right? They all have, like, so much more important things to do than to worry about, like, someone who's intruded on the ship. Yeah. I, I love that aspect about them. They don't yeah. care. As long as you don't screw with them, they'll just wander yeah. around. As long, yeah, as long as you're not attacking them or, like, messing with their systems, you could probably live on their ship for as long as you wanted to. It always seemed like a massive weakness. You know, you can teleport on their uh, transport on their 50 times with a bunch of explosives go put them on the areas undetonated and then on all the important areas and then teleport off and then push the button because they didn't give a shit enough to uh, to stop you yeah that's it always seemed like it's just that 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 opening in the in their um, armor that's unbreakable yeah it's it's uh it's really interesting when they when they play with those ideas right where you're not a problem to the Borg unless they find you as a threat or some way that they can improve themselves. Or maybe, and then they'll assimilate you. Maybe they want you to come on board. Maybe it's a Venus flytrap type of scenario. Maybe they... It, it never I seems to be like that, though. It just seems to be like they don't care. They're too busy they're with indifferent. other more important things that until... Turning knobs yeah. and pressing buttons on the wall. It's like maybe if, like the way that we'd perceive like a spider. Like mm-hmm. if you have, a, you have a spider living in your house, you don't really care... Unless but if that poisonous. spider bit you, then you're, you'd slap it and be yeah. like, oh, well, you know, screw off. Or yeah. if it's like it puts up a giant web in, you know, in front of your uh, refrigerator or something, mm-hmm. then you're like, well, I'm going to kill this thing. But until it becomes a nuisance, yeah, you don't does. really care about it. It's not, you're so much more like evolved or ahead of this other thing that you don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's neat. So two drones start coming towards malcolm and archer and they have some newly enhanced phasers that malcolm is itching to try out <laughs> because when you shoot these uh, when you shoot the borg with the normal phaser you maybe take one of them down maybe two but then they adapt their shields and then your phasers become useless so mm-hmm. they cranked up the megajoules of the phaser from five which is kill uh malcolm boosted it all the way up to 10 somehow <laughs> so he's got his fa- his phaser set to, to 10 to, to it's set to borg, <laughs> <laughs> it's, set to borg. <laughs> it's mega mage um so uh yeah these drones start coming at them and they test out the phasers and they do the trick you know those borgs are down dude um but that alerts uh several more drones to their location yeah. right They're like we just got hit by something that we're not used to so send more <laughs> send more help yeah but they they're good at uh at thinking on the fly i think the board the board yeah they they roll with it pretty good yeah uh it's the whole collective uh consciousness they mm-hmm. just all like 
you couldn't react faster than all having the same consciousness and yep. just being like you it's know. like an ant colony you know yeah the individual members don't really matter as long as the colony survives right. you know right and they it's that's very good because they have the queen right the board mm-hmm. queen who's the most important so yeah um now two more drones come to to test out uh malcolm's phasers <laughs> and they go down too <laughs> <laughs> malcolm's on a roll <laughs> he's on a roll uh, Archer recognizes um, a couple of these Borg as humans. Oh yeah. But he he scans them and he finds no human life signs. So I think he's starting to turn here and starting to feel a little bit better about possibly blowing up the ship because he realizes here they're not actually human anymore. Mm-hmm. While they still look like they're human and he still wants to be able to save them, he scanned them and they don't have human life signs. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not. Mm. So... Archer and Malcolm quickly place the explosives on the uh, EPS manifold before the Borg can get them. They kind of beam out at the last second and they detonate those explosives. And then we see like the transport, like taking some explosive damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, not enough to take it down, but it's being damaged. Now back on Enterprise though, a team of Borg have beamed over to Enterprise. Uh, they're like, you want to do it that way, hey? You want to do trazies? <laughs> Trade a, you beam to us, we'll beam to you. We'll see yeah. how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, they've uh, adapted their shielding against the phasers. So the new phasers, 10 megajoules is, is no longer already. good. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't help. And um, Trip, the engineer, is able to dismantle one of these modifications that those uh, other two rogue Borgs had made on the ship. I guess this was a major one that was blocking them from um, from beaming. They couldn't mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't transport anybody. So uh, Trip at the last second he's able to uh, dismantle that modification, and they're able to beam the remaining Borg off the ship. And the transport starts to power its weapons again, but this time Enterprise blasts them with a full array of torpedoes, and the ship is completely destroyed. Thank goodness. Finally. <laughs> Thank goodness. I mean, what would happen, right? What would happen if well, that Borg transport was allowed to continue? Well, tearing? they would have landed on the Earth, gone back to Earth, and assimilated everybody. So all you need is a spread one Borg here, one Borg on a different continent, one Borg there, and uh, in about, uh, I don't know, three months, you'd have the entire planet. Yeah. Maybe even less. It wouldn't take very long. So Enterprise is under repair. Phlox is feeling better. He tells Archer about being connected to the hive mind. And he says he heard them send a numerical sequence. It's all he heard. He heard them saying over and over and over again was a numerical sequence. And what that numerical sequence turned out to be were spatial coordinates for Earth. So the Borg was sending Earth's coordinates. Now, that message they track down, they track it being sent to the Delta Quadrant. Mm Mm-hmm which is very new for Enterprise. Like, they're mm-hmm. barely scratching the surface of the Alpha, of the alpha Quadrant. Like, yep. they're barely anywhere in the Alpha Quadrant. And now they're already talking about the Delta. But T'Pol says that, don't worry, not a problem. It would take 200 years for that message to get to the Delta Quadrant. And uh, Archer says, so so what? We've uh, only put the invasion off until the 24th century? And then the episode ends. Mm-hmm. Which is a really cool segue yeah. into uh, the reality of what we've seen on the other Star Treks. Yeah. And I, I like that they leave it kind of on an, a little bit of an unhappy note. Like mm-hmm. while they won, while they kind of succeeded, ultimately they didn't succeed because this message got sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And Archer knows it and he's not happy. And it's just like this kind of like melancholy, like low ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. Um I, I like I love that episode. It's a great episode. There's you know so many fun things going on in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. You guys have any like fa- uh, well, final thoughts on it? Um, you have occasionally you'll get directors coming in who who don't really know Star Trek, who don't pay the proper tribute to what's come before, what the you know what Star Trek is all about, and I feel like your director here did a great job doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love all the references, uh, and yeah, I agree. I think this didn't need to be a, a happy-go-lucky episode. This was an episode that introduced humanity to the Borg, and it's not a fun thing. <laughs> and, it's one of desperation. Yeah. The entire episode yeah. is desperation, even though the characters didn't know they were desperate yet. Right. And, and I did notice something, and maybe you can correct me on this. 
maybe it's maybe I was still on my Vlox. Vlox is, is a good character. Flux, yeah, yeah. I am correcting you now. But I don't think they ever refer to themselves as Borg in the episode. When when the Borg announced themselves, you will be assimilated. I don't think they ever said we are the yeah, Borg. Yeah, they said you no. will be assimilated. Not, resistance is futile. Not That's once did they, they say we are the Borg or anyone no. said their name. Not once did they talk about um, adapting. They're adapting. And I feel like that was on purpose because if, if information like that became part of history that a species was encountered called the Borg because when they encountered them in next gen it was brand new to them right they had yeah, never right. seen them before so right. it's almost like that was the way to keep them yeah but contained the, in that era the next gen it ends up being one of those paradox uh loops there right so in next gen if you start fresh from 1990 or 89 88 89 and you get the Borg where they show the Borg uh, later in the season We've never seen the Borg. We don't know about it. And you see them because Q introduces it to the series. Okay, so it's fresh. Then when you get to the the first contact is the first movie, uh, second second movie in the series. And, um, and, and that's where it crashes onto the planet. Well, you've already gone around the circle. It comes back around. There's no way around. It's a paradox, right? Um, they can't be fresh to the Borg because it's already happened. But they are fresh to the Borg because... Uh, um, so, and they talk about paradoxes in other shows and there's no, I'm not sure if there's a definite, does it work or does it not work kind of. Yes, Terry, that's very good. That's sort of, you're sort of, uh, walking on my what if a little bit here. Darn so it. no, that's fine. Cause we're at <laughs> what, if. On the what if we're at what if I love when people <laughs> come across what if. What if. So Stepped you're on the what if mine. <laughs> it's just, we're on that. We're on a little bit of the same wavelength here, Terry. So let's just get to what if. Sure. So this last line that Archer delivers is really interesting to me. Okay. He says, so what? We've only put off the invasion until the 24th century. Because it is roughly 200 years later. That's how long Paul thought the message would take to get to the Delta Quadrant. Mm -hmm. But it is roughly 200 years later when the Borg from that time go back in time and try to destroy Earth. So this strikes me as one of those weird like causality loops that you're mm-hmm. talking about here, Terry, where by this science team waking the Borg up, it ultimately leads to the Borg being able to send those coordinates to where Earth is and receive them 200 years down the line. And that causes the Borg to travel back into time, ultimately being destroyed mm-hmm. to leave the damage and the debris in the Arctic Circle for that whole process to go again. That's a great... Uh, you following? That's a great uh, synopsis of it. So, my what if is, what if the humans never found the debris of the Borg sphere? What happens then? Do we break that loop? Let's look at it if they never uncover the ice there, right? And let's let's assume that global warming happens in the timeline that some people predict and whatnot. Well, there's a chance they would have melted out of that, that ice anyway and come back to life on their own in 200 years. Good point. There's um, a chance that somebody else discovers the, those bodies, you know. Um, the Borg are such dangerous creatures that outside of total annihilation of, a, of an individual being... Um, you can't trust that it's 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 uh, harmless. Like, yeah. You just have to assume it's not harmless. It's it's deadly. Yeah, so you're thinking. Look, they were frozen for a hundred, almost a hundred years, and literally within I don't know six hours of warming up, thawing out, uh, they're they're good to go. You yeah. see the heartbeat on the on the EKG machine, and uh, yeah. Uh, so, so you're thinking, regardless <clears throat> of whether the humans defrost them, they're going to get defrosted one maybe, way or the yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. But. I got, I don't know if I mentioned it or I got chills when I first saw that, uh, the, the Arctic scene. I'm like, did they just bring, bring a, a touch of, um, first contact into this? And then when you right. discover it and, uh, um, I thought it was just one of the most brilliant, uh, tie-ins from a previous it's a, writing. It's a great tie-in. So uh, the fact that they tied it into first contact, the fact that it gets tied into a, a next generation episode mm-hmm. as well, right? That's, it's like, it's, this is a very thoughtful and well-conceived episode um, to place in Enterprise. And I mean, this is the reason why I like this episode so much is just how important it is Mm -hmm. uh, in in, uh, the Enterprise season. It's giving us 
it's giving us this really great lore that we've touched on in a few different um you know areas like another series on in a movie and uh, we get to see it in this series like they bring it yeah. in it's 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 a lot of fun i really enjoyed it it's really great when they tie series in together yeah that's really like, cool se- like uh, look at the q episode we did a while ago i believe it was where you got john delancey and uh, the the other q they're they're bantering about it and they bring in jonathan frakes and they uh like yep. or, uh, Kim- riker and i love where they tie it in in a believable way not just oh we're gonna be yeah. a cameo here you know there's there's a few like really good ones like that like there's a voyager episode where uh george takei is a captain yeah. on his own ship mm-hmm. and janeway was like um just an uh, i don't even know if she was an officer but maybe an ensign or something yeah. she was yeah. on his ship and we get some flashbacks of george takei being a captain of his ship mm-hmm. and janeway like on there yeah. with tuvok and they're trying to figure something out and it's just so cool to yeah, see yeah. george takei in voyager you yeah. know it's like i remember that now really tuvok, neat stuff tuvok because he's vulcan he, he's older than we think he is he's like 250 so, years so old or he's, something he's an ensign on the ship and janeway goes back in time or goes through his mind or yeah, something it's like, like a mind meld and, yeah and that's yeah. that's why she sees it yeah i remember that and it's such a those things kind of give me that the the chills, like the anticipation chills. You know, like the, yeah. this is something special and and really good. Totally, that's like the that's why one of the reasons why Star Trek is so great. Mm-hmm. Just you know how they play with these worlds and the universes and cross all this stuff over, yeah. and they take such great care with everything that's happened before. And like, I really feel like these directors probably just get this giant like book of of uh, star trek rules placed in front of them and mm-hmm. just like history and, and this has happened and this has happened and you need to know this stuff so that you don't mess up your episode mm-hmm. or the writers have a long sit down with them listen this is why we did this right this is uh uh some of the things that uh, we were shooting for and striving for here's some research maybe look into it and uh and we'll meet up again before the episode starts and um in in some cases it works wonderfully yeah well, cool. Um, I'm I'm sure we haven't seen the last of David Livingston in our uh, episodes with uh, so many excellent ones done. Sixty one sure. more to go. We got sixty one <laughs> more to do. We should just rapid fire all his episodes out. <laughs> Even the stinkers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should. We I, I've mentioned it before, but we should think about doing a stinker. We're doing oh, all man. like the best, like hilarious episodes. stinker, like hilarious stinker, or just like so bad that whatever. You can't, you, but laugh. I've got, I've got so many. You know, as, as much as we love Star Trek and um, you know everything about it, there are one hundred percent for surely some real stinkers out there. You and can't I can have seven hundred plus episodes without having some bad. Ones. That's right. So you, you know, the listeners out there, if there's any uh, ones you guys would recommend, like send them. Oh yeah, send them to us. I mean, I'd I'd love to hear some feedback. We'd be happy to cover an to episode be honest, from a listener. Next yeah. Generation Episode 1 and 2, Farpoint Station. A stinker. That's a stinker. <laughs> That's a terrible yeah. episode. It's yeah. a stinker. I, I can't believe the show ever took off with that episode. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it fair to rate like a pilot episode a stinker? Uh, it's, like, it's, it's it's critical, you got to admit. Um, but Next Generation really, in my opinion, didn't get really good until th- Season 3. Yeah, I agree. Season It had some good episodes scattered, but Season 3 is when it stepped up into gear. So, Yeah. Cool. Well, Enterprise hit its stride in season four when it was canceled. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. hey. That's not nice. <laughs> Just kidding. I love this episode. <laughs> I am calling you every day with that theme song. <laughs> Terry, text ne- it to you. And, uh, Next year on Halloween, we can do that other episode you wanted to do. Yeah, well, that, that one, I remember this one being better, but I'm going to have to rewatch the other one because... It had its own, uh, it, it's it had a, it had a creepy flavor vibes to it. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, I said it before. There's a few enterprise that we'll do, but uh, we'll see. I I can promise everybody the next episode we do will not be an enterprise episode. <laughs> I, I was surprised. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. This one was. <laughs> yeah, this is a great one to do. This is one I always wanted to do because uh, it's it's so excellent. I mean, first like uh, appearance of the Borg, like mm-hmm. you know, chronologically for. Uh, for Star Trek. Terry, what do you want to say? Well, we're probably never going to do it, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. But there's an episode in Enterprise called A Mirror Darkly, I believe, Part 1. And what happens is they take... The, there was an episodes back in the day where Kirk comes from the dark dark universe. Like, there's a, an alternate universe where everything's dark and bad. And uh, uh, Space 9 does some episodes on that. So they do their take on it, right? So what happens is they show Zephyr and Cochran the first contact scene. That's the first thing you see in the episode before the, the theme song comes on. 
And uh, so it's the first contact. You know it from the movie. You see all the scenes. And so the Vulcans come out and they put their they pull down their hood and they uh, put out the 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 Vulcan uh, welcome welcome V there. And the first thing that the Zephyr and Cochran and the others do is they pull out their shotguns and start blasting. Them. Yeah, I remember that. They kill them. <laughs> they kill them. And so it reminds me of of that, right? Because it was it was the the opposite effect in that other universe, and uh, it made for one of the the best. Um, uh, I don't know, tongue-in-cheek moments. And like, That's a like, shocking things. opening because yeah. I remember watching that and knowing, and knowing it's like, oh, it's first contact. Here yeah, come the Vulcans yeah. and then they just gun them down. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. wait a second, what? Yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah. All right, well, guys, thank you uh, for joining. I look forward to the next Star Trek uh, event we can do. Thank you yeah, for having us out. And thanks, everybody, for listening and we'll catch you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.